Hello everyone and welcome to the C Live podcast. My name is Sam. As always, I've got my Trista friend and podcast psychic. He's computer illiterate as well. Chris Fons! Hey! hey. Although I should I should be saying this. that tonight. <laughs> I should be saying this tonight. Uh, after my absolute just disaster of uh, power supplies and we got it in the end. We're here. We're here. Brilliant. We made it. We made it. And as always, we've got a fantastic guest, and that guest this evening is my good friend JJ Gibson. How you doing, mate? How you going? How's it going? What's going on, broadcast world? I'm good, bro. I'm good. Like I said, I'm just out here chilling. You know, living la vida lockdown. Uh, <laughs> you know, lockdown to electric boogaloo, <laughs> and just vibes, brother. You know what I'm saying? Same old, same old. How you find? How you finding lockdown part two? Lockdown part. Um, uh, same ish, different day. You know what I'm saying. I mean, this one's a little bit freer. Obviously, you know, we can actually go outside more than once. You know, but um, <laughs> hey man, it, like I, I just keep telling myself, it is what it is. I'm just taking it day by day, and I'm just cruising, baby. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because obviously, I, it's it's yeah, affected sorry. us like unbelievably. Um, but <laughs> but it's affected. But, it's affected us. I mean, our trades are nil and void at the moment, uh, and especially for yourself. Um, take us through your last six months, JJ. What you, what have you been doing? Uh, my last six months were kind of interesting. Still, uh, basically, uh, within the okay, wait, let's get a time frame. Six months ago is March. We talking March, like yeah. yeah let's talk from from first lockdown. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So from the first lockdown, the first two months, I was still here in my apartment in Blackpool where I've been the last few years. But then, um, with the way things were going, at the time, uh, Tenerife, which is where I'm from, was still getting tourism, and, you know, there was still, you know, the opportunity to gig, to perform, and make money. And, shoot, I was born and raised there. My, you know, my dad's been there since 1985, whatever. So, like, we know people, and it's like, I can get gigs, you feel me, which is not an issue. My friends have bars and blah, blah. So it was basically a case of I was paying rent for my apartment here, you know, paying tax and obviously everything else, all that goes along. And it was like, well, why? I'm not even making any money. So after speaking, my mom basically suggested that I go over to Henry for a couple of weeks, months, however long this stuff, what we thought would just be on over here. But obviously <laughs> with the influx of Brits and other tourists into the island, after about a month of me being there, yeah, we that's when we had to start wearing, you know, in Spain now it's legal to wear the mask everywhere. Like, like if you ain't in your house, you better be wearing a mask, pretty much. Like, it's mask or mask. So <laughs> stuff got serious real quick. So then it was in the same situation, and even worse, because obviously, you know, for being with it being an island and whatnot, there's limited resources and et cetera, et cetera, with the governments and all of that. So. It was a case of then, I think this was, a, yeah, this was like late August, early September time when things were, oh, well, you know, we were eating out to help out over, you know, at that. You know, that old chestnut. What to do? Yeah. Not to get into the politics, wink, wink, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> basically, um, it was a case that I had some gigs on the books here. So my mom was like, well, look, you need to go back. And to be honest with you guys, I didn't want to come back because I was just like, 
why? Like, it, it, I, I'm cool here. And at the time, I was going to get a little job somewhere. So I was like, well, I got that. And it's like, you know, and I was like, I've never worked a nine-to-five job. And <laughs> it really wasn't too much of a hard job. It was working in a coffee shop. So I was just like, that's pretty easy for me. And, yeah, I was going to do all of that. But, you know, as Sam knows, you know, my agent here is my godfather. So I have commitments I have to apply to and all this stuff. So I came on back. And the original plan was to just do the rest of the gigs on the books. And then at while doing that, sell all my stuff, organize moving out of my apartment, and then move back to Tenerife. That was the original plan. But then I got some more gigs, and it started getting worse and worse in the Canaries and in the whole of Spain in general to the point that my mom was like, well, look, you might as well just stay. And then I had a friend of mine move in with me. And since then, you know, I've been able to luckily stay in the apartment I've been in. But yeah, it's been quite a roller coaster. But I dropped an album, so that was pretty wavy. You know what I'm saying? Yes, and it is a good album. Oh, uh, thank you very much, brother. You checked it out. We had a listen, yeah, we had a listen. Oh, there is one track that I, it's standalone for me. All the tracks are fab. And I want to talk about the album in a bit more, but um, there's one track, and it starts with with a guitar. Does it? So, yeah. Love me yet? Is it love, love me, me yet? yet. Jay had a dream. That's the one that I went. Doom. I went doom, straight in with just because it sounds great. Love, brother. Thank you, man. Thank you. Because actually, uh, me and Jay have been working together for a couple of years now on a couple of different tracks. But you know, she's a she's an amazing rapper. I mean, like within the next two to three years, a lot you're gonna be hearing about. Her, you know what I'm saying? But she sings as well, and I. I I love working with artists and bringing them out of their, you know, comfort zone, their shell almost. Yeah. So I think, you know, you know, you know, to be singing more because you got a good voice, you know, and obviously I know you're spitting and doing your thing, but, you know, come through and, you know, sing a little something. So we worked on this verse with her for a while. And, you know, I uh, had put my stuff together a couple of weeks before that. And, you know, I, it, it takes a lot to really impress me. I'm my own, I'm like my own worst critic. I'm really a uh, <laughs> critic. Yeah. Critic, is that right? Yeah, critic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to question that. I had to question that for a second. But, um... I think it was your accent went a bit funny. I think that's why. Uh, critic. 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 <laughs> I, thought about, I thought I said critique. Then I was like, no, critic. Yeah, here we go. For fucking... <laughs> oh, ooh, ooh. Pardon You're me. okay, dude. My Don't bad. worry. Oh, we're good. It's after the watershed. Oh, it's fine. We're, we'll just say it's oh, after the watershed. It. Five o'clock watershed. Watershed. We're all right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, man. So I, like I said, I'm my own worst critic. But once I put all those harmonies together for that hook, man, I can't lie. I was, I was just sitting there with my studio for a while, just like on loop, just like still don't love me. I was like, shit. You know, like, <laughs> I did that. I did that. You know. Who came up with the guitar sound? Did you come up with the guitar sound? No, did I? Oh hell no, man. That shout, shouts out to Looper, man. Not or Loopman or one of the sites I use. So basically, that was a loop. And right. I just pitched okay. it down a little bit, threw some reverb on there, and then I played some drums in on an FPC. The rest is history. Oh, I play some little keys at the end. Yeah, it's really nice. It's really, it's really distinct. I, I found it quite. Um, all the albums, obviously, there's a style running through the album, but I found that really soulful. That one. Yeah, man. Well, you know the thing is, I say this to like a, a lot, of, like my homies. You know, I say I really, cause if you know you didn't know, I'm a soul singer as well. Yeah. You know, born, you know, raised on soul. My father's a soul singer, and it's like, I love soul music, but for whatever reason, I just don't make it. I think maybe because just subconsciously, because I'm always working with that, 
you know, that's what pays my rent. That's my job music, I guess you could call it. Yeah. That, you know, I, I then question making it or whatever, but I would love to make more music like Love Me Yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, big Anderson Pack vibes, you know, like stuff like that. Oh, man. Like, if I had, well, that, that's why I'm in the process of working on right now, you know? I got a lot of other stuff coming. I reckon that's because the the, the, the other tracks, there's a, there's a lot of samples going on. But this one, it had a real technical guitar sound running through it that you'd expect in like a, a soul or a, a even a jazz kind of sound. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, I, I see where you're coming at with that little jazz you know thing. I, mean? I, I see that. I really do. And I, I think it's the case that because the album is so versatile on its own. I mean, the, the album is a concept album. Yeah. You know, it tells a story basically of basically dealing with the male emotions during love, you know, and how that can go through such highs and lows. And, and you know, I'm sure as many men can agree at certain times, like you may have done something and you're just like, wow, like I really did that. Like what, you know, like even if it's the smallest, smallest disregard, you know? Yeah. Like, and it goes from that to me then falling for a woman and then it ends up going a bit, you know, pear-shaped. And then I'm trying to tell myself how everything's fine. But then, you know, I come back to reality because I realize I got 10 missed calls from her. And then, <laughs> yeah, man, in the end, I try to, you know, get up with the homies and I'm still good. You know, it's gang over everything and I'm all gassed and everything's cool. But then I end up back in my fields. I love me yet. And then I understand I'm getting even more in my fields. But then I have to remember who I am, you know what I'm saying? I'm Mr. Major, bro. I do numbers. I'm, I'm come back to that. the impression then that it's all quite personal, this album. Is bro, the thing is, the thing is, <laughs> it's, it's personal, but it's not about a situation. Right, okay. I get this a lot in my music. Like, I do, a, you know, I, you know, I, I make In Your Fields vibe songs from time to time, you know what I'm saying? Because people like to, you know, people either like to get in the fields or know that they need to but can't do it in any other way. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So, it's, it's, it's personal case that I will take, I took a lot of influence from definitely a couple of my past situations romantically in the past couple of years of my life, definitely. But then also from other people's, you know, situations that I've seen happen, you know, like, for example, just for, for an idea. In the first opening song, Homer, everything is on cloud nine. I am totally cool, living life, blessed. But then after that, basically, it all goes a bit wrong. But then we go to this party in Voodoo. And the first line of Voodoo is, yeah, your waistline, uh, yeah, your waistline got a good circumference. And in the thing, in the concept of the story, I'm meant to be going to meet this one girl. But then I've gone and I've walked in and I've seen this other girl stray away. And yeah, your waistline got a good circumference. You know what I'm saying? That's it. I'm enamored. Like, what that other woman? She don't mean it. like she like I forgot her name already. You get me? Like it was a rap. But then that's where you question it because it's like I totally disregard her. But in the sense of like lusting, it's like like I want her so bad. It's like they like they're not even human to me. And it's like is that okay? You know? It's good, but it's good to put these ideas into into music because I, I was teaching a, a guitar the other day and a, a lad's got to write lyrics and I yeah. said got to look at other songs because he said I'm too young to 
experienced life yet. He's only 16. And I said, no, but you've experienced life in different ways. Exactly. You don't have to be in love. You don't have to have gone places. You've experienced things that meant things to you. You may have, or I don't know, lost a grandparent. Or you may have been in a situation of lockdown now, which you, mm, you, exactly. is new to everyone. So you have experienced things. You've just not experienced things that you hear every day on the radio, like a love song or a breakup. Or mm. I think in, in, in a way, maybe he could have, but there's also the possibility that, you know, and I feel like this is, again, I'm a big advocate for this, that... At 16 years old, man, that's a hell of an age, you know what I'm saying, as a young man, you know what I'm saying? Especially now, growing up as these kids, it's like maybe he's just not ready to talk about his experiences, you know what I'm saying? Maybe. And it's like, okay, well then, cool, man, you know, just, you know, keep working on your craft, and when you're ready, it'll come to you. It's like, I mean, I started writing when I was about 11, 12, and, like, I did a couple of things in school with, like, some friends, like, you know, just say little raps man you know stupid school playground stuff but then when i was 12 i uh i was actually taken out of school at the time because uh in a nutshell we was broke so i couldn't afford to go to school and i had this little small notebook laptop that bless my mom so i and my dad you know both of them worked for it so i had that that was my only entertainment and i had the game how not how we do um hate it or love it instrumental and that was i was just like I like the intro, I like the beat, you know, so I wrote something to that when I was 12 and I was talking about, you know, in my feelings and then, you know, what my parents are going through. But I, I was always very, I guess you could say intuitive like that. I was always in touch with what was going on and, you know, how I was feeling. And I don't know. I mean, I'm going on a tangent about, you know, music and mental health, but that's not that's nothing else. I found I found that's important, especially rap music, because rap rap music is that is probably the music. I'll be honest with you, is I listen to the least. Yeah, fair enough, man. But you've got to have awareness of every genre of music because it's so important. You've got to appreciate every genre of music because, well, look at look at rap music in America for a long time. It was country music that was the biggest selling record. There you go. Now rap has overtook over the last five, six years. Rap mm-hmm. as a country is the biggest selling. Um, man, I mean, I, even more than five or six years, honestly. I'm going at least maybe 15, 20. Yeah. At, at, at this point, going through this in the 90s, we like, you know, your your Pucks, your Snoops, your Dre's, your NWA. Biggies. I mean, yep. woof, NWA. There you go in the early 80s, man. Like, it's been, it's been coming on for a while. Now it's just more so evolving, and I feel like, as a hip hop head, personally, you know, I mean, I'm getting older as it is. You know, I just turned 22 yesterday, so. Oh, I, let's I, put I, it out there, ladies and gentlemen. He's a big birthday boy. Look at him. Love, love. big love. I but, like how you say he's getting older. How old are you? Are you 22? Three, man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With a bullet, with a bullet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Older and wiser. Got a couple of grays coming through. <laughs> but yeah, you know. As like a as an aging, I guess you could call hip hop head now. This newest sound of hip hop is different, but you gotta keep up with the times, man. You know what I'm saying? As a musician, you can't be the guy that's talking about, yeah, man. You know, I, I used to like hip hop when hip hop was real, man. You know, when they were really talking. I was like, okay, man. Well, look, if that's what you like, fantastic. Do your thing. Have a coke and a smile and keep it stepping. But 
You gotta be open to all sorts of music, no matter how it sounds. In 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 layman's terms, obviously for us, you know, obviously we we like our music. I'm probably similar to Chris, not not particularly listening to rap music, current rap music. In in layman's terms, for obviously people out there that um, maybe are similar to us and don't listen to it. Is there, a, is there a difference to rap music now in regards to what they're writing about? Because obviously you listen to the likes of, um, well, I mentioned NWA before, um, and it was probably all, well, not probably, most of it is politically driven, uh, race driven. And I, I, I want to throw it to you in that regard. Is it, are we still keeping the same theme within rap? I feel like, just like in really every genre you know you have your different kind of subgenres. so you've got your rappers that will make you know politically charged songs and then you got your guys who are just you know there to flex and you know show how cool they are and what lavish lifestyles they live um i mean you can put that in anything you know from like glam rock to punk rock to you know people who like get involved in stuff like sky etc you know i feel like they there there still is that integrity of hip-hop but i feel like it's also as it is because hip-hop now like it or not is pop music mm -hmm. yeah because it is the big as you know as chris said before it's the, it's the biggest genre now and it's the case of now i just feel like it's very watered down because it's very easy to just just like it was for pop in the 80s and you know you can look at all you can go on youtube and find so many just like completely then disregarded uh, artists and songs and I mean man it's crazy if you like if you actually go on like a YouTube search like that you'll be astounded at how much like people you've just never heard of and yeah man overall I just think there's a big oversaturation in it now obviously the state of the industry that we're in now JJ we're all in a situation where we're just twiddling our thumbs and hoping this va hopefully this vaccine comes out and you know there's good news it, it's 90% uh, working at the moment um, but do you think we'll ever see the music industry what it was like five six years ago in the next four to five years I, I mean from my personal opinion I don't think we will I don't think we will I think it's going to be a completely different ball game and I wanted your take on it uh, that's a bit of a mad one brother I mean you know I, I kind of consider myself a glass half full type of guy feel me but like on a real one, I hear you. Like I personally don't see it going back to fully normal anything, anything for sure, a minimum a year. Because it's like you know, it's like I, I saw me on Facebook a couple of days ago, and it was it was a uh, what's his name, Simon, from The Inbetweeners, and it was saying when you've been told to stay indoors for four weeks, but the furlough scheme's been uh, extended until March. I don't know. It's a bit dodgy, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, what's going on? You know, what do you know that we don't, motherfucker? Like, it's true. Why, why are you keeping your car to your chest? What's so? I don't know, man. I feel like I like to be optimistic and say that we will all be cool by touch wood summer next year. Mm. I think obviously people are still producing music. People are still writing new music. Obviously, going through this pandemic is gonna you know, release uh, music that probably we would never have gotten if this pandemic would never have happened. So I think there is a positive to come out of this. Um, but you, you obviously, you write and produce your own stuff. Obviously, on this new album, 
it, have you got a particular track that you kind of is dear to your heart a favorite um all about dear to my heart but from like a creative standpoint because this album for me was almost a benchmark this was the first first project i've done where it's a hundred and ten percent all me you know sometimes i might use like because i've been producing now for six years yeah six years and you know i've always had like maybe one beat from my brother he's also a producer or maybe one of my friends or maybe just something that i would find off of somebody else and whatnot but this was all 100 percent me and i really felt that um production wise i'd really made a huge milestone with this one for example like this uh, track three no track four sorry please me that's actually a sample of janet jackson uh when i uh, i get lonely but it's three seconds of the whole song and that's it and i stretched that and i put it I, I chopped it and put it into like a drum pad machine and man i was like i said i'm my own worst critic but that was like and then when I showed my friends, like, I put the homies onto it. They were just like, yo. And I was like, oh, yo, this actually is pretty good. So I'd say, close to my heart, say, please me for that. And then also, just because I'll never forget the feeling I had when I first finished this beat, Condolences, the last song. It's, it's not even a song, my man. It's a journey. Like, I love that song so much. And it has to, it has to, it has to, the, the, the album title in that, does it, is it not guilty or pleasure? It's no, gu- no or pleasure. No guilt or pleasure. And, and it, 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 that, that's at the end, isn't it, as well? As well yeah, you... Right, it's the last thing I say, you know? Remember, it's the last thing I say. So the process to, to, to writing, because we all write different ways. We I sure. come from sort of a, a rock kind of, so, so we get a riff first. Pretty much, I reckon, what you do, because you sample a track. There you go. And then, now, do you build from that sample, or do you have lyrics that you... I and mean, they... for me, bro, it goes a couple of different ways. I I, I love this question because I never really have a definitive answer. It's, I don't really have a way. Sometimes I'll just feel like writing some stuff. I can be on a train somewhere and just blah, 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 and I'll just write some lyrics. And then I might e- either have a beat already made or be like, no, you know, I want to make something specific for this. Or I might have a beat that I've just made and either I've given... You know, I was going to just give to somebody else or just not know what to do with it. I might just try to write to that. Yeah. And it can be anything, man. You know, I'll just, maybe what's on my mind at the time, what's on my heart at the time. And, you know, whether, I, whether I'm rapping some stuff or I'm writing a song, you know, that I'm singing. It's just, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's all about vibes, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'll make the beat and then just, you know, I'll either start... Dun, 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 dun. Something or I'll start, you know, I'll catch something. Do you ever find that you, you, well, when you're writing and you listen back and then you go, this song already exists. I've, I've, I've already, I've, I've wrote a song that already exists. I am always doing, doing that because there's only, we, we write predominantly, you write with samples and beats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We write with chord sequences. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're going to do something. It's going to be like, oh, shoot, that sounds like this. So there's only so many chords you can have. So say if you start in G, there's only about five. All right, you can change the mold and then become a new genre. But you can, there's only about five chords. You can have it. And then after you've done that, you think, oh, no, wait, that's that's just stand by me. (laughs) Literally, though. (laughs) (laughs) But I can see that. I can see that. I mean, I feel like I'm doing that currently at the moment i was uh 
my influence growing up, uh, growing up with me mom and uh, my uncle and my aunties, they loved uh, their sort of pop music. So the likes to take that and obviously the re reunion. Obviously, the link is the boy band with me and you, JJ. We 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 met through a previous podcast guest, uh, Dom Gore, who uh, you know very well through the cruise ships and it kind of ball rolled from there with glow up and you're still continuing to do glow up i seen that you were in blackpool performing uh the other night uh and what's what's happening with glow up at the minute uh nothing <laughs> <laughs> well like everyone else really like everyone else chilling uh the other member of glow up kofi who is the guy who moved in here to save me is uh currently just chilling in his room now uh now we ain't doing nothing right now but we were you know carrying on gigging around the holiday camps around the country and I mean, there have been so many lineups for it so far. Like, I mean, shoot, we got to start in eleven for real. <laughs> but <laughs> but you know, those original two, man. You know what I'm saying? For the beginning of that journey, which was, uh, as we mentioned, previous guest Dom Gore and Big Sammy La. I mean, it was just, it was just fun times. You know what I'm saying? We were just because, as I as I haven't mentioned on the podcast before, uh, I am a huge, huge fan of the city of Liverpool. I'm a Liverpool fan. I'm a red. I am. I'm in love with the city. I love everything about Liverpool, man. It's just the people, the culture. It's it's a beautiful place. So I'd always love just pulling up and you know me and the boys would go rehearsing and just you know just vibes. You know what I'm saying? That's the boys. And then obviously did the showcase and that was fun. You know, uh, yeah. But it's it's basically just a trio of you know three young guys and we just do some of the old school hits, some of you know your golden oldies from the '90s. You're in modern day stuff, just you know, basic. So you know, shoe man's trying for food on the table. Exactly. <laughs> you kind of glossed over it ever so slightly before. You've got an uncle, uncle Barry, uncle Barry Lucas, yeah. uncle, uncle Barry. Barry. But Barry is well known throughout the tribute uh, scene. At, Barry Lucas, Barry Lucas, and he, he's mean, your he's uncle, and obviously he's uh, one of the top agents. Oh, sorry. Cause you 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 keep calling him Uncle Uncle Barry. Yeah, I call man. I don't know. I, I was trained like a dog with it. You know what I'm saying? From when I was young, I was like, Uncle Barry. Like, okay, Uncle Barry. Yeah. <laughs> but again, yeah, I wasn't really in the person of uh, questioning things. <laughs> but again, one of the top agencies in the Northwest and probably the UK, and go as far as saying, you know, delivering acts all around the world as well. What he's up there. He's, he gets busy. He's very he busy, busy, and obviously. Obviously not right now, though. Obviously not right now. But um, what's it like having someone, obviously, with all that wealth, knowledge, and going into the industry as a 16, 17, 18-year-old and going into these venues and performing in, you know, obviously your cruise line uh, singer as well, and you've done a plethora of cruises as well. What's it like having him, obviously, not only on your side, but his family? Do you know what I mean? What's it like? Yeah, uh, you know, he's definitely... He's been, he's been a... A, a big, big mentor for me since I've come here to the UK, but I need to, you know, really put the spotlight on my dad, you know, because he's the reason that I got into performing point blank, you know. He is a singer, dancer, and man, you know, he, he's, he's tickled the stars as far as the actual industry, but man, I was raised from the moment I left my mother's room, I was watching him on stage and that was it, man, you know, I was just my mom's got videos of me at 18 months old. I got a little Hoover and then a little microphone, and I'm replicating his American Drifter show when I'm not doing steps. <laughs> da -da. Cupid, 
drop back your phone. All this stuff, you know, I had the whole show down at a young age, so. And I was never really academic, you know. I was definitely no favorite teacher's uh, student, <laughs> but it is what it is, you know what I'm saying? Different strokes for different folks, man. So once I got out of school, it was a case of, well, I had to start singing, you know. Shoot, ain't going to do nothing else. So luckily I was blessed to, as I say, be born and raised in Tenerife and the Canary Islands. So we run on tourism, so you can work every night, man. Shoot, do more than one gig if you want, two, three, four. Is he still performing now, obviously, in Tenerife? Uh, right now, obviously, not too not much. Quite, to, yeah. But but he is still active. Yeah, he, said, he just turned 70 years old this year. Wow, and he's still singing? Yeah, man, he's been singing since he was 15 years old, from Boston, Massachusetts. From there, he went to New York, New York to L.A., L.A. to Ibiza, Ibiza to Tenerife, man. You know, the guy just, it, it, you know, if, if I had the ability to sit and write a book that long, his life is a, is a movie alone, you know what I'm saying? I know one of the interesting stories that you told me when we rehearsing for Glow Up was about the song in GTA. I was wondering if you could tell everyone about that story. <laughs> the, second, the second I mentioned, I needed to say that. All right, so basically, um, some of you may some of you may not know, uh, the song California Love by Tupac Shakur and Dr. Dre came out, I think it was 2099, 98, I don't know. I was young. And, you know, it's the California knows how to party. With all the effects uh, and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's got the talk box. It's got Roger Troutman from, ironically, my favorite funk group, Zap, and Roger playing. You know, he was the feature. He sang that part. But basically, that song had sampled a song called The West Coast Pop, which was originally performed and written by a guy called Ron Hudson, well, Ronnie Hudson, or as my dad knew him, Ron Hudson, because they were friends, and they lived together in L.A., and Ron Hudson, so my dad basically was, my dad was never really sharp on the business side of show business, because as he would word it himself, he was doing 85 and 50 miles on, you know, he was, yeah. he was living a fast life, and was not really, he didn't really have his head in the game when it needed to be in the game. So basically through that and some agreement that they made, there was an agreement to basically that, um, what's the man's name? Ron Hudson was going to be the lead in front on the song. And it was going to be Ron Hudson and the street people, which was my dad and some other vocalists on the backups. Even though my dad had helped write the song with him, this was now his song. And he gave my dad some money. I think it was $250, I think. He'd have to tell you himself. Yeah. But got given the money. And at the time, as I said, he's moving so quick. I think he had just had my brother at the time. Yeah. My older brother, Damone. He needed money, man. And quick. <laughs> you know, I, I, again, as he was saying himself, his stomach was touching his backbone. So he had to, you know, shake a leg and get something popping, which he did. And then they recorded the song. Now, you fast forward to 2005, I'm seven, eight years old, and I'm playing Grand Theft Auto on the PlayStation 2. I'm driving through San Andreas, popping caps, as you do. <laughs> and, <laughs> and as I'm cruising around the end, you know, you have all the different radio stations in the cars. So I'm on this station called Bounce FM, which is a funk station, because even from a young age, I'm funky. I like funk. 
and there's this song and I'm hearing it and I'm I'm singing along going so rough, so tough out here, baby. So rough, so tough out here, California knows how to party. And I'm like, this <laughs> And there was a certain note. There was a certain note. Now, now, like I said, remember, I have been raised from the second I left my mother's womb, listening to my dad sing, watching him perform. I know every, I know his range like it was a color range scheme thing. You know, the little color things, like off by heart. And I hear this note, and it's in the city of LA. And I'm like, I'm like my dad. <laughs> oh, you know, carry on popping caps and skirt, skirt, all of that, you know, wouldn't pay the mind a day. And then I can't remember what came first, you know, uh, but as years went on, I carried on to play the game every now and then because it became a huge game, you know, it's one of the biggest games of all time now. And I remember my dad speaking to some friends of his at my house on a Thanksgiving day. We used to have all the Americans in Tenerife that would come to like my, my house and, you know, they celebrate Thanksgiving. And they're talking about the story. And I remember saying, I was like, he was like, yeah, man, everyone has to fuck me on my money, man. God damn it, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, yeah, I was like, I know that song. He was like, huh? And I was like, it's on Grand Theft Auto. And then I spent like 20 minutes driving around because obviously it's not just playing on loop. It's an actual, well, a radio station. So I'm like, you know, come watch, come watch at the party. And he's like, you know, no, whatever, whatever, because he's getting drunk. It was his 60th birthday, I think. And yeah, man, basically ended up telling me a couple of days later, actually, I sat him down and showed him the story that, yeah, he was basically got to row it, but nothing he could do about it. He had, like, no paper, no, not even a receipt for the money, nothing. Like, he took the money and that was it. Kept him moving, man. And he went back to Boston to go see a music lawyer in 2009, I want to say. And, the, I mean, I, I knew because it, it, it's logic of just modern society. It was his voice and his word against a multi-billion dollar record mm. company. Mm. You know, like, cause he, you know, he used to like jokingly say like, yeah, Dr. Dre owe me some money. And I was like, I remember a Beats by Dre <laughs> headphone commercial coming. He was like, yeah, he can, you know, he sell some of the headphones, get me some money, man. And it's just, you know, it's a sticky he, one, but. He wrote it. With Ron Hudson, Hudson, yeah. And with the, and it, it was the hook, it was the, um, pop rocking in, uh, uh, not the hook, the verse, pop locking in Rolls Royce, Cadillacs. Lincoln's and Mercedes Benz, pop locker than Howard Johnson, Sheraton, pop locking at the Holiday Inn, pop locker in Hollywood, it's understood to the features, and then so up, so tough, out here, baby. And then the guy who actually then went on to perform in the Dodge Drain two pack version, Roger Troutman, him and his group, uh, Zap and Roger, they did a cover, like a, a remix over it called So Rough, So Tough, where they took that section of the song and then made that song. And then, now this part doesn't really have anything to my dad because he didn't play any of the instruments. But, bro, if you go and listen to the song, Ronnie Hudson and the Street People, West Coast Pop Lock, or just Ronnie Hudson, West Coast Pop Lock, there is a guitar line on there that you may just notice, you may just recognize it from one of the biggest songs of the last 10 years. And the guitar line goes... I know it. I know it. This here, that ice cold Michelle fight for that white gold. That Chris, guitar line. do you know it? Chris is gone. I think Chris, Chris is shocked. Chris is actually gone. I don't know why he's gone, but I think he's in shock over the fact that it's that it was Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars is uh, Uptown Funk, and that leads in very, very nicely with you as well, JG, because you are a tribute to Bruno Mars as well. 
Oh man, I do a couple things here and there. Man. You, you know do more than just a couple of things, young man. You do <laughs> everything. You're grafting, man, which is which is great to see. And obviously, it's uh, it, it's it's unbelievable. Listen, guys, do us a favor. Go on to our social medias and make sure that you follow. Uh, also on uh, Facebook, that's at C Live. On Twitter, it's at C Live Enter One, and on Instagram, it is at C Live UK. Uh, JJ, they can follow you on the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the Twitter. Uh, give them the opportunity to uh, follow them. Tell them everything about your socials. No doubt, guys. You can follow me on Bay. That's M A J A Y B A Y B A Y Bebe, and uh, Instagram, Twitter. Come through, show me some love, check out some music, you know what I'm saying? I'm here for the vibes. Excellent. Uh, Chris has disappeared, but there we go. <laughs> I'll see you another time, I guess. I'll just pop in on you know, the next interview. Uh, JJ, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to speak to us this evening. Um, again, folks, make sure you follow us on all our social medias. We'll be back next week with another edition of the C-Live podcast. Stay safe out there, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye now.